Hi, you're listening to Startup East, a podcast highlighting Nova Scotia's startup community brought to you by Novacorp. We find, fund, and foster innovative Nova Scotia startups that strive to change the world. And we love a good startup story. This series features stories from entrepreneurs building technology companies in Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening in. This is Paul Travis. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Talum Health Analytics, and this is our startup story. If somebody went up to me and you know asked what I do now, um, from a perspective of day to day, you know, I take care of the public in terms of uh, musculoskeletal injuries. I rehab people. You know, try to get people better, get back to function. From a startup perspective. Uh, Talum, you know, we do empower um, at all levels. We empower the patient, we empower insurers uh, in different ways, um, empowering the patient with redefining how they receive their care and redefining how insurance companies uh, can identify their expenditures and help to improve their risk. And risk in the insurance industry and, and costs and high cost ratios is, is a large problem. And we kind of do what I do day to day implement that into a technology platform and with a lot of help from experts and uh, colleagues and a, and a good team, uh, we're helping to uh, change the way insurers spend but improve how patients recover. Yeah, I feel like our profession and physiotherapists change the world every day. You know, we, we do a lot of things with patients that, you know, can change the course of function and life, right? So to say that, you know, our platform's going to change the world. I think it's it's really just honing in on what are the things we do really well, and as well, what is a big problem? And you know, that's something I saw every day. You know, being regulated on how many treatments or you know what type of treatment, and looking at okay, wh- what can we use? Let's use our expertise. Let's bring subject experts in and look at okay, how can we scale that right? So that was really the initial idea was how can we improve, you know, what we're offering patients. But then at a large scale, you know, we looked at, okay, how can we just tie it all together and look at, okay, what the car accident tells us, but as well what that patient tells us, right? And then what the healthcare professional looks at that and use that data to make better decisions in the future and spend money the way it should be spent and improve, improve outcomes. You know, I think the problem really first came to me when you're looking at legislation changes in Nova Scotia and different changes in uh, how insurance is being provided to people, right? So why are premiums up? Uh, Why are people in certain areas paying higher premiums? Uh, This is something that I've identified before even going in uh, into the clinical setting and rehabbing people uh, from uh, auto injuries. And what we started to look at and what I started to identify was uh, in the clinical setting, looking at how money's spent and looking at how legislation in the government defines how long people should be in treatment and the premiums people should be paying. Uh, so systems are there for a reason and they help, uh, but you know, the system is definitely broken in central Canada and uh, you know, all over the U.S., and what we've identified was uh, there's not really a defined pathway for a client coming in post-auto accident 
the cost of collision, the cost of damage repairs is going up. Uh, so insurance companies uh, especially are looking for ways to save money uh, when, when a car accident happens. So on the clinical side of things, what we've defined was how can you define a patient's treatment regimen or define how much care somebody needs or what type of care somebody needs from day one. Uh, that is very difficult as a healthcare professional to look at. And I think, you know, when you look at the healthcare system now, in some aspects, even on the private sector, but as well the public sector, we do see this because people are limited to how much access of care they can get. So with Talum, what we looked at was identifying, okay, if we look at features of a person and who that person is and look at data sets that would mimic that person and those features and look at what the research tells us would be the best solution for that person when they get injured, um, applying that at scale with a technology platform would help both the patient get what they need but as well the insurer redefine how they spend. Um, so the public and when we look at society at, at large can actually spend less on insurance premiums. I'm looking to solve a very large problem. Um, how the heck do I do it or can you do it? There's a lot of doubt. Uh, you know, I think self-doubt when you're, you're becoming and taking that step to becoming an entrepreneur or doing a startup, especially a startup that is going into an industry that's quite volatile. Uh, it's perceived as, uh, you know, insurance is a bad thing. People don't like dealing with insurance companies. So you're getting into a potentially a position where how is this guy going to solve that problem or how is a company going to help solve that problem? And I think sometimes it's not thinking about redefining what the industry is doing, but helping implement better information so people can make better decisions and, you know, how that makes you feel from a day-to-day -day basis, it can differ when you talk to customers. Uh, you talk to people that learn about your idea or pitch your idea. A lot of people perceive it as, oh, you know, they're just helping insurance companies, right? But what we're really doing is, is helping at large, a, a much larger problem, as I discussed with the, um, obviously, the premiums and, and what's being spent. Traditionally, uh, people want to graduate from a profession or you know would go through the the typical structure of an education component and then move on to a career and accelerate within their career uh, my plan was always to you know go to school uh, never thought I was going to go into rehabilitation be a healthcare professional thought I was going to go into teaching uh, then you know ended up getting some work experience in the field transitioned to being a physio uh, graduated and you know I think there's always a need for change in, in different industries, uh, and we're in a very big transitional stage, I think, with healthcare in general, especially as well as insurance, but as well as how we're leveraging technology to solve problems. So seeing all those things and identifying those things kind of throughout, uh, throughout the first few years of my career, uh, was very, it was very surprising that what was not being done and how technology could be leveraged in a way to make better decisions. And seeing that now, I, I don't think I would ever see myself trying to do this, uh, say four or five years ago, uh, but I couldn't see myself not doing it moving forward and trying to uh, improve, improve outcomes in a way that we're, we're using technology and data the way it should be used. I, I think the early wins are you know, since it's so new to me and, you know, I wouldn't, 
I can I always can consider myself an entrepreneur in residence. So you're always trying to develop yourself and and you know become a better you know obviously salesperson, business business person, but a team member too as well. Uh, but I'd say like key moments were key conversations I had with people that have been into startups and and into uh, you know in this position before. Uh, those moments probably centered around, you know, even speaking to Bob, you know, at an Corp, sitting down and just saying, okay, is this possible, right? You know, can you take an idea and, and, and take it to, uh, and, and make it something, right? And make it a business. But in terms of, you know, seeing traction and moving forward, uh, you know, doing our MVP, doing some research, getting some research, uh, results that were quite compelling, um, and looking at subject experts and as well as experts in the field and in the insurance industry, you know, eight months, a year into our project, we knew that we had something that was going to help change somebody's process. How that was going to be used or implemented, we, you know, product market fit takes quite some time, and especially in an insurance industry when you're looking at processes that are already streamlined day to day. But once we had some validation on that side with our MVP, you know, eight to 12 months into this, we, you know, we knew we were going to push forward and really see if we can make, make a go at it. Really, the biggest thing for us was taking a very evidence-based approach and statistical approach. So looking at something that uh, has a strong body of evidence and, you know, something that's going to be able to produce a result that we're quite confident in is going to be able to be applicable in the industry. Uh, How we started our process? Well, we looked at Okay, what are we trying to define? Like, what are we trying to predict? Uh, are we trying to predict what the best treatment for that client is? Are we trying to predict how long that client should be in rehab? Or are we trying to predict features of a claim that will tell us what that client should have and shouldn't have? So we really broke it down from a research and statistical point. Uh, we've uh, we worked with um, NRC and uh, IRAP to, to help develop a research project out um, and look at, okay, what, what type of technology could we get the minimal viable product and develop that with? Uh, so that looked like working with um, our IRAP director, Steve Manley. We sat down, we scoped out a project and looked at predicting a few key things that we thought could be um, impactful for both the patient and insurers. And it really it was, you know, I had no idea what technology platforms were out there. I knew about artificial intelligence, machine learning, and uh, in some shapes or form, uh, you know, I say this lightly, I'm comfortable interpreting statistics. I do like research. I've done some research in my undergrad and in my master's, and we applied those types of uh, expertise into, you know, somebody who could tell me what technology would be the best way to take data in and measure that. And then we formulated a clinical setting research project that helped intake that data and look at the outcomes we were trying to provide. So, I'd say compared to my co-founder, I'm a little bit more dive into it and jump off the cliff and just try to figure it out on the way down. Uh, so I would say that I, I had some really good people around me, uh, especially IRAP and a few people that were developing the product that you know I had total trust in. And so really, I just continue to focus as much on the operation side um, and as well the research side of the project. Uh, do I consider myself a technical expert? Not, not whatsoever. Um, I do understand, uh, and I think the most important thing to understand now is product market fit with our customer. What are they using? What, what does it need to plug into? And how are they using it? 
And I think the difference between, um, you know, understanding artificial intelligence is, is important, but the role in healthcare, especially in insurance, uh, you're dealing with medical data and you're dealing with the outcomes of people. So you have to look at, okay, there has to be a subject expert on the file. So really trying to hone in on, okay, if we're using a supervised AI component, who do we need on that platform that's going to help review that and identify those outcomes, identify the outputs um, so they're actually legitimate outputs that they can use from a day-to-day basis. So I really focused on that side of things, bringing the subject experts into it and rolling it out with, uh, rolling our platform out with the expertise. I would say the first milestone, uh, I think the biggest thing when you're looking at even with an MVP and our initial research project, we, we noted that you know we've, we had good predictability with certain features and, and looking at certain outcomes of claims. Uh, the, I would say the first milestone was uh, you know that product market fit with uh, some Canadian insurers. We've had ongoing conversations. You know we've done focus groups and demos, and we've we've had a we had a point there last year, earlier last year, and at the end of 2017 that we had some good product validation. Uh, we did a really uh, cool project, and you know somebody said that they would purchase this, right? And I think if you can get a customer to say that they want to buy it or they commit to that, I, I think that's probably one of the most valuable things you can get, and I'm sure that. Most entrepreneurs would say that at this point, in, at any point in their career. Yeah, no, I think a, and a big milestone in our company was uh, being a part of the Hartford InsureTech Hub Accelerator in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Hartford, Connecticut is the insurance capital of the world. Uh, this provided a wealth of networking in the insurance industry in the U.S., has expanded our pipeline immensely in the eastern U.S., in uh, Boston, uh, Connecticut, uh, as well as central U.S. This providing an opportunity to live in Hartford. Matt, my co-founder, lived in Hartford for three months. Uh, this, this really accelerated the company from a standpoint of customer acquisition and product market fit, regulatory issues, uh, looking at the dynamics of how third-party vendor products like ours works with uh, you know, auto and workers' comp insurers. So those, those three months have probably accelerated our company you know, 3x, I would say, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that type of traction in, in that period of time without doing that. And it's really been a platform for kind of our next stage of growth and, and working with some insurance companies. You know, when, when somebody says they're going to pay for your product or they want to adapt your product or they want to take the steps to do that, uh, especially at B2B and in the insurance industry, you know, it's, it's significant traction for a startup that's small like ours. Um, moving forward, you know, you only build on those conversations that you have. You learn, um, especially in the Canadian industry, is much different than the U.S. You learn how to speak to people, and you learn really what the problem is. And sometimes, what, what you identify as the problem, you know, you know, they're not, they're not having, they're spending too much money, or you know, it could be uh, simply like sim- simply a you know a day to day task that you're providing an insight that will change the way they make their decisions from day to day. So I, I think for us, as we spoke to more people, we identified that uh, you know, we have something that could fit. What we had initially to what we have today is completely different. Uh, I would say that a lot of people that 
you know, build tech and when they build their MVP, it's, you know, they're always building an alpha version. You know, I think we're on maybe our fourth alpha version, but it's all off our initial build, uh, which were all important features of what we have today. I would say that we're really, as we brought more subject experts into our, onto our team uh, and developed our platform, we probably started to develop something that really is fitting the insurance industry now, looking at causation of injury, looking at biomechanics of injury from the car accident, pulling in relative data that's from the car as well from crash estimates. So how we developed our product initially uh, was almost, it was a pretty large pivot, but it all played into what type of service we're offering our customer today. From, from when we started developing our initial MVP to, uh, to today, what our product is, the industry is rapidly changing. We, we see a lot of uh, change in technology in cars. So telematic devices uh, are changing in terms of their sensitivity for calculating ex- um, acceleration, right? And that's, that's a huge thing for both insurers and, and as well, um, uh, the driver, because you know they can get in, they can get some some uh, incentives when they're driving their car, uh, in terms of how much premium they're paying. For us, the technology in the cars and the type of cars has changed so much that we're continuing to develop our platform to be able to harness that data and take that data in. That data is incredibly important for the insights we pro- provide for insurers. Uh, you know, we're looking at self-driving cars very soon, you know what I mean? It, it's happening now, but you're probably looking at five to eight years, you're gonna see self-driving cars on the road on a regular basis, potentially, depending on how the government regulates it. So all those things are things that we've looked at prior to today, and then moving forward, we're looking at of how our company is gonna to adapt to that. So we're completely changing, but as we initially set out our vision of the company and what we want it to do, that vision hasn't changed, right? What we want to provide for an end product. It's just how we're getting there is changing as the industry is changing. So, Having a co-founder and, you know, figuring out when you're at the brink of, you know, trying an idea or, or taking a step or a risk with a business is, it's, it's a lot easily. If you have the right person that, you know, you've, you've had a relationship with, a working relationship with, uh, it's very important. I think it can make the process quite a bit easier. I think, you know, most, even most investors that we speak to or companies that I speak to is, you know what I mean? It's, you know, sometimes you see two or three or sometimes four co-founders, uh, depending on, you know, the dynamic of the company. Uh, how our dyna- dynamic works, like Matt and I, you know, we get along quite, quite well. Uh, I think we're, two completely different people when it comes to certain things and how we approach things. But I think that helps uh, complement one versus the other. So I'm the type of person that dives into things and sometimes Matt can be the guy that puts the pieces together uh, moving forward. Uh, but the vision's still there. So the key is, is having the same vision. Uh, we have the same vision on the product. We're both, uh, you know, in the industry, uh, you know, quite passionate about, you know, rolling this product out at scale. Uh, so vision is important. Uh, I think if you have the wrong vision or you have an altered vision, it can create quite a bit of conflict. Uh, and you, you do see that internally in some startups where, uh, you know, some co-founders, you know, potentially co-founders that 
have uh, been together for a long time, but their vision's a little bit differently, that can change the dynamic of the company, right? You need to keep pushing things forward, keep towards that vision. How you get there and who does what, uh, you figure that out along the way. So the support system for me, you know, I obviously have a, a you know, a very loving family. Um, my wife is a very understanding person. Uh, they see that when I kind of get hooked on a task, uh, you know, I kind of try to see it through. Um, but, you know, I think for them, they're like, you know, what the heck is Paul doing, right? You know what I mean? He's working a full-time job, you know, he, you know, he, you know he, he's established some sort of a life, right? You know, and now I'm taking, you know, 80% of my spare time up and really most of my days working on this. And I, I think for them, you know, they support uh, kind of the passion of going forward with it. And they're you know, very understanding, you know, I've, I've done a lot of traveling, I've, you know, moved around all over the place. And that's just part of, I love it. It's just part of the grind. But having that support system is really important uh, at the end vision, because there's nothing guaranteed when you start a startup, you know, you may not be successful, right? There's 90% of startups fail after the first two years, right? And we're just getting over the two year mark. So now we're trying to weed into that 20%, right? So, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have that support system. And, even as well, uh, a few programs that I've been a part of, you know, like Mentor Connect and some of these programs have been so valuable for those sorts of things, not business things as much as people saying, okay, you know, you're here, uh, you know, and just taking an honest high level look and, you know, and, and have that self-reflection period of, okay, am I doing the right thing? Do I think I'm trying to do something that I can't, right? Having those people around really kind of take a high level out of your life and your business and say, okay, you know, keep moving forward or, you know, you got to back off a little bit or whatever it may be. Uh, it's very important to, you know, stay connected with why you originally started to try it, right? Uh, if I was in it to try to, you know, become some successful tech mogul, you know, I, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, I probably, it probably would be the wrong vision and you wouldn't be able to push it forward. In terms of the passion of the idea, moving it forward and just trying to get starting something and finish it and try to, you know, obviously try to, uh, you know, make a change in not only, uh, you know, the industry, but looking at making a change in your customers day to day, right? If you can't change a customer uh, and, and improve their day to day, whatever expenditures or uh, potentially even, uh, you know, workflow, you know, you probably need to pivot off your idea. Uh, but the most important thing I would say for me personally in my experience uh, is you need to nurture your your relationships and your support network. Uh, those are the ones that keep you kind of on that path and keep that vision moving forward, right? Because sometimes, you, you know, you're going to have a lot of self-doubt, right? You know, you, you sometimes you wake up, things are going great, and then the next day you might be like, oh, why did I start doing this, right? So keeping that vision and the support system is very important. You know, is, is this going to be my only startup? Well, you know, this startup's still very early stages and, you know, we're moving forward with some stuff that hopefully can be impactful in the next six months. Uh, but, you know, I, I have a couple ideas on the shelf in this industry and with different technology, you know, looking at blockchain and, and stuff that's just slowly being adapted in the industry uh, that we want to roll out and, you know, we'll roll that out as soon as, uh, one thing leads to another in terms of, our, you know, our current startup right now. Uh, but these are all spin-offs of what we're doing now and what the industry needs and what they're asking for, too, as well. So.
the startup channels in Nova Scotia have been, you know, very impactful for us to stay connected in the community. Uh, Nova Corp's been, uh, you know, great help to us, uh, keeping us connected, applying resources, uh, and just generally, you know, taking a, you know, a quite a non-biased look at the company and, you know, potentially the services it needs. Uh, so that that's helped us flourish and stay afloat, right? Because money needs to keep the uh, keep in the bank to keep the paychecks going, and as well. Uh, the financial and the expertise too, as well, from Innovacorp has helped quite a bit. Uh, you know, being a part of Volta Labs in Halifax has been excellent. It's given us a wealth of resources uh, connected to the community of uh, multiple startups, and as of Innovacorp too, as well. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening in Nova Scotia right now, and being a part of that community. Uh, it, although you know it's growing and growing, it is a small community. So if you need to reach out to somebody specifically uh, with a technical question, with a, an investment question, a founder question, any anything around um, your startup around the business, uh, you develop relationships that can be very valuable. And it's not only within Nova Scotia. The outreach from that Innovacorp and, and Volta too as well have um, in in Canada and and even beyond that. Uh, is very powerful. So I think in terms of feeling isolated, uh, if, you know, if I didn't have that experience initially with um, these, both Innovacorp and Volta, it probably would have been uh, a big challenge, right? And I probably would have thought I couldn't get answers to questions or get resources that I need. Listeners, InnovaCorp finds, funds, and fosters innovative Nova Scotia startups that strive to change the world. How can you be a part of this booming startup community? Visit InnovaCorp.ca for more information.